Verona, it is a pleasure to have you on the show. How are you today? I'm very well. It is a pleasure to be here. I love How the shirt, you? by the way. I'm good. Oh, thanks. It's a whole, it's a whole Ramones yeah. vibe. <laughs> that is cool. It's the best shirt. It really yeah. Is. Hey, is it true that you had a Star Wars tattoo before you ever got booked in anything Star Wars? Uh, yeah. Yeah. My whole this whole arm is sleeved with um the evolution of the stormtrooper so you have Django Ooh. on Camino and then there's like a clone trooper that, that morphs is into sick. a stormtrooper of slave one in there yeah man wow so yeah. how does I got that way before I was ever cast in Star Wars my very first tattoo was the imperial symbol it looks like garbage but yeah wow that is crazy so how did it actually yeah. feel when you eventually got into the franchise and now you've done so many projects felt kind of like that um yeah it was very cool like the very first thing that i did was the um the force awakens no yeah the, yeah yeah yep. yeah i'm trying to figure out if i did something before that so i did the force awakens as a loop group and the big thing in that was that i got to do the first female stormtrooper in the whole galaxy so, and it's very, it's not modulated. It's just my voice. When I hear it, it's very jarring because it's not <laughs> robotic. I'm not doing a character. I just saying words and it's coming out of a stormtrooper on the screen. And then my name is in bluish whitish letters at the very end of the movie. It's wild. So it felt amazing. Amazing. Do you remember going to the theater for the first time and, and seeing it? Yeah, so I uh, I am like a true Star Wars nerd for the films, so I always line up for Star Wars. Nice. I, I'm in like, the group that like camps out. Yeah. Yeah, like the night session sort of thing. Like a whole week in advance. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. Camping so, out. Yeah, yeah. I love it. It's <laughs> so fun. It is so so fun. I originally did it for the prequels um, when I was obviously a much younger, and that was such an experience that when I moved to Los Angeles from Toronto. I knew I had to join the line here because this was the original line that had started the whole phenomenon of lining up, you know, in 77, let alone when the prequels <laughs> came out. So I uh, found the information for the line and I didn't tell them that I was in it because I thought I didn't want to make it weird. And I also didn't want to spoil anything. And I also I yeah. just wanted to come hang out. Yeah. So I was in that line. I made so many amazing friends. Um, and then I actually got to go to a cast and crew screening the night before the official release. So I saw it the day before we did the whole midnight showing with the with the group. And some of the people in the group got to go to the premiere a few days before. So uh, it yeah. was our group was kind of staggered in terms of our experience. So the people that I knew were going to the premiere, I did pull them aside and I was like, hey, just so you know, I'm in this movie. <laughs> Um, I would. I, I couldn't help myself. Yeah. Uh, so it was really great. And what was amazing about it is when the credits did roll at the end, I was with all of these friends. So when my name came up, came up on the screen, you know, and it's like near the end. It's not like Harrison Ford. It's near the end. There was like this huge cacophony. Oh, that's cool. Which was so That is nice. so cool. Yeah. It was really, really cool. It like my little Star Wars heart just grew a thousand sizes, you know. Do you, do you get emotional at that point or are you more just elated, happy? When my friends are cheering. Yeah, me, yeah. I mean, it was pretty emotional, I would yeah. have to say, because I also wasn't expecting them to do that. 
you know, mm. we're the energy. I'm sure you've been to an opening night of Star Wars. Like the energy is really high already. Everybody has their robes and their lightsabers and their costumes and their whatever. Um, so everybody's kind of vibrating the whole time. But to really get that, and you're exhausted as well because it's a midnight. It's so mm. late. That's too late for a movie for me. So and we've been camping out for a whole week. So it's kind of you kind of go into this a little ragged when you're in the line. And that first showing is always a little uncomfortable i would say even if the theater is great so it was it was really nice it was really really nice to get that from my friends it's funny you say that because the only two times in a theater that i've had where the audience clapped they clapped at the end was the dark knight and the force awakens funnily enough yeah so talk to us about jedi survivor because this game's bloody awesome i don't know if you know have you seen much of it have you that's what they keep telling me, yeah. <laughs> and and you played Cage in in the game. Talk to us about this experience, how you landed the role and the voice as well because there's, there's a little bit of an Australian accent I feel like coming through yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah, so in terms of getting the role, the casting director, I've auditioned for her several times before um, and she casts most of the Star Wars games. Um, but everything is fake. Everything, every time you get any audition from her, it's not the side, the character names are fake. The script you get is usually partially fake. Um, but the last game that I got to the final round was squadrons as one of the main characters in squadrons. So I, for that audition, I had gone in, done a pre-read and then done a callback and then did a session with a director, sort of almost like a theater rehearsal. Um, and then I didn't book that role, but when they, they let me know. I mean, they let my agent know, like I was there until the very, very end. Which, <laughs> I mean, it's flattering, but it's also like, but I didn't get it. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, but I, I've auditioned for her several times. And because I think in the last game, I got so far in the audition process, she just brought me directly to the director this time. So I didn't have to do a pre-read. I didn't have to do <clears throat> you know, self-tape at the beginning. I, it was a Zoom audition. And um, I got it from my manager and it said, this is for a performance capture and voiceover role for a Star Wars, no, for a science fiction fantasy game. And then it was a bounty hunter. So (laughs) you're piecing it together. There was no way way to know what game. And then they did say they wanted like an Australian or New Zealand kind of accent. And that's, you know, obviously because of Boba Fett. So I had never, I went to school in England, British, great. I had never done any Australian accent before in my life, not even remotely close, embarrassing. So to prepare for the audition, there's a guy on YouTube and he teaches like immigrants how to speak English with an Australian accent if they're living in Australia, you know, because if you're learning English as a second or third language, because they're in Australia, you would want an Australian pronunciation. And I watched, I just had his videos running constantly and he has a <laughs> compilation of like the hundred most common words and I would just repeat after him repeat after him repeat after him so I oh. went as big as possible for the audition like I just had to hit the really obvious like Australian sounds to at least show them because I didn't only had a few days to prepare that I was somewhere in the ballpark and yeah. so it was like pretty crocodile Dundee I'll be honest it was like pretty <laughs> out there but I also filmed myself doing it so I could kind of get the swagger. I also have an Aura Singh costume. So I have holsters with blasters. So I like threw those on. Oh, wow. So when I did the Zoom audition, 
I had seen it from a million angles, filmed myself, watched it. I had practiced as best as I could this sort of dialect and then went into this audition and then, you know, felt pretty good about it and then didn't hear anything at all. <laughs> and I was like, cool. And then a month later, uh, I got a call back. Uh, so I go and I yeah. do it again. Same thing. The same director. thing. Yep. Yeah. Um, the same scenes for the director. You know, strap on the holsters again. And then didn't hear anything. No, not again. <laughs> and then a month later, I they let me know I got the role. So the thing was, I didn't know what the role was for or anything. So it's a weird thing to be like, congratulations, you got a role. We're not going to tell you what it is. <laughs> they don't even um, give you scope, like how big this thing is, do they? Really? No, like no one, officially no one still told me what, what game I'm in. Like yeah. I, in every step of the way, I would say like, <laughs> what game is this? And someone would say, oh, they haven't told you? Well, I, I can't tell you. <laughs> um, yeah. Everybody's so... It was challenging. And then, yeah, with the accent, I had to find something that made sense for me, that was re replicable for me, that fit the sound that they wanted. And when we started actually, when during that second audition, the callback, they had said they didn't want something so broad. They wanted something more like Kate Blanchett. Well, like her accent's almost non-existent, you know? It's so subtle and for me as an actor who grew up in a British household, went to theater school in England, it's very easy to fall into the British pronunciation if it's too small. So uh, I ended up hiring a dialect coach and we had to find something that had the flavor of a, you know, a subtle Australian accent, but that was non-specific. And that also I could do mm. consistently. So I like to say she's not Australian, she's Australian. Alien. It's just how she sounds. I love There's that. no Australia in the galaxy, so she's not Australian, but yeah. it has a little of that lilt to it. So you're working with a dialect coach. What's that like? How do you uh, work with him or her <clears throat> when you're together and do you just sit there and just go through sentences and how does yeah, that work? Yeah, so I beg um, for the scripts um, <laughs> in advance. So they Please they will... give me anything. They will uh, say, uh, I'll get a call from my manager and they'll say, um, you know, put Friday on hold. You're booked for four hours for voiceover for this project. And so then I frantically email or text the dialect coach and I say, okay, I'm, I'm recording on Friday. When, do you, when are you available? And we book something. And then I email my manager back and say, okay, I'm going to work with the dialect coach on Wednesday. Can you get a script? 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 And at the 11th hour, I'll get uh, some, a PDF yeah. So then I, I forward it to the dialect coach and then we just work on it. So it was a, it was a, um, it was like a mix of going through the script and doing the phonetics work on the script. So, and then him also teaching me groupings of words that all are pronounced the same way and me sort of just very studiously making notes and then practicing repeating after him when I would hit something that consistently was really difficult for me, we would try to find something else that wasn't difficult for me to get consistently because the, the, the sessions are so broken up. Mm. It's not like you're working for a week every single day. You work four hours in March and then four hours in June and then June, another four. It's all over the place. So there's no time to really get settled in this character. And of course, the other actors had already done an entire game. So they were very mm. comfortable in that mm. skin. 
So the dialect coach was just like being in school as much as possible. And then he recorded all of our sessions and then I would take the recording and then I would edit out all of the nonsense chatter and whatever, and try to make these sort of compressed files where I could just repeat after myself, repeat after him to really get it in my mouth so that on the day when emotions and energy are high or in the studio, when everything is a little, you know, new, I'm not falling over myself. So your first day on set, was it performance capture as the character? Yeah. yeah. So are there nerves there? Because you've got, you've also got the, vo you've got to get the voice right in the back of your head, but then you're surrounded by everyone who's, you know, Cameron's done the game before. I had rehearsal before we would do the actual shoot day. So there would be a rehearsal day and then a shoot day. So that was sort of nice because I got, I'd, I'd worked in that motion capture volume before and I'd done actually a lot of training in that specific volume. So I was very familiar with the space, which was really nice to set myself at ease because I I knew where everything was. I knew where the bathroom was. I knew where the weapons are. I, I oh, was very beautiful. comfortable. I felt very at home Yeah. in that. in that. Um, Even with the volume. suit on? Yeah, yeah. I'd done, yeah. <laughs> No. Weird pajamas. You know? Yeah, yeah. The only thing is that it's usually really cold because they have to keep uh, all the cameras. So yeah. I had been in that space, which was definitely set me more at ease than I think if it had been somewhere new. Uh, but I'd never met the majority of the people there. And um, like you said, Cameron and, and Tina was there as well. She was doing a reshoot for something. And a couple of other actors were there. Kendall was there doing various things. And they knew the warm up. They knew the process for the rehearsal, like they knew all of it. And so I was sort of like throwing myself into the ring and just going for it. Um, and then when we actually started working and, and rehearsing in the space, you know, Cameron's like, Cal is like a straight man. He's like very level-headed and Cage is not, she's very like this. So I'm trying <laughs> to find her in this space i had done some work at home of course but i'm trying to kind of find her i'm working with the director the video game director and the narrative lead are also to the side and they keep having little conversations that i can hear so i don't know why they were just saying them to me but i can hear them and then the director comes back and says okay what we're gonna do and sometimes it was different than what they said so it was like a little confusing and I, that, it started to get like a little bit scary like i've totally messed this up they're gonna yeah. cut her from the game i've ruined it i mean Every time I get an acting job, I walk on set and I was like, I've fooled them into this. Uh, they've made a huge mistake. You're not the first person to say that, by the way. Yeah. I'm not surprised. <laughs> so so uh, it was a little, it was a little nerve wracking, but yeah. you know, once you get a couple hours into the day, you relax and that's why you have rehearsals. So you, there's no pressure to get it right on the first go. Um, but I did, I did remind everybody. I sort of was like, Hey, just, you know, I've never done this character before. I just need a little more time to really find. And how does she interact with this guy? And I've never seen him in person before. So how does he actually move? And there's like another person with a little BD one behind him with a little squeaker in his mouth. So like, it's these weird two men doing this like weird shuffle. And that's just, it's just not so strange. Yeah. <laughs> it's so strange. Yeah. That's what I mean. How do you balance everything? And and you've also got in the back of your mind trying to do this voice. Do you have to like go into the session just knowing the voice at the like the back of your hand because you can't have too much yeah. to worry about? 
would yeah. you say? Yeah. Yeah. That's why I worked with the dialect coach. And mm. that's why I ran the audio either from that guy on YouTube, whose name I cannot remember, yeah. unfortunately, or that I got with my dialect coach. I would just listen to it constantly. When I was walking my dogs, I had it just on repeat and I'd be repeating after myself when I was in the car, repeating after myself on the way to the studio when I'm in my trailer, like all I'm doing is reminding myself what it feels like to have those positions in my mouth. Because once we get on stage and the director says something different and I have to do some unusual movement or whatever, it has to be consistent, which is also why I didn't want to just say like, I'm going to do this very specific Australian or this specific New Zealand accent. I have to do something that fits with how I express myself that is replicable for me mm. and not necessarily accurate to a specific region or a specific person that I'm copying. If this was a movie and I was supposed to be Australian, then like I've totally blown it, right? You know, because it's not specific. So it is, I really had to go in so confident that I could just speak and then the rest would come. And Kendall is Australian and she was there. And at one point I came off, I walked off set and she was like, you sound like my mom. And I was like, awesome, great. <laughs> so did you yeah. do any, um, did you get to do any stunts or anything like that? Cause I know you've done that before. Was I the only stunt? <clears throat> I don't want to spoilers. That's all right. Spoilers. Everyone knows now. I mean, spoilers. spoilers yeah. Spoilers, we're all good. Spoilers. We're all good. So in the, the final scene, when Boba Fett shows up, when she gets lassoed and sort of yanked down, I did that. So I did that. Stunt. Oh, wow. So How do you pull that off. <laughs> he goes like, and I jump up and backwards and like kind of do one of these, like a mummy and then land on a pad and just hope for the best. Cause I have a camera oh, wow. on my head as well. Yeah. And it's got, I've got a battery pack on my back and I have all of the <laughs> things. So it's really quite risky to, you know, is this thing going to bonk me in the face? So I, yeah. I just jumped in the air and went. You went for you know, it. I just really had to, um, but all of the real cool stunts, all the fighting and the, and I do a couple of, you know, I do, I'm doing movement, but all of the really cool page action is somebody who's much more qualified than I am for that. When did you find out about that Boba Fett scene kind of went a little bit viral in the Star Wars community on the, once? On the first day. On the first day. Cause that must be a bit nerve wracking for you as well, because being such a fan and, they actually got the original voice actor from the show in, right? I don't. Th he didn't do performance capture, though, did he? No, no. no. Um, the actor who did the performance capture for Boba Fett, I think his name is T.J. Ramini, I believe, and he plays yeah. another character. Yeah. Um, and so he stood in and did the the motion capture for Boba Fett for that scene, and he was very cool. And it was uh, he was like, "I'm Boba Fett." Like everybody was having a, a good time. The scene was really fun. Uh, we yeah. actually shot when we were shooting, we shot it before the intro scene because the energy is so much higher. And what actually happened is when we were starting to shoot it, um, there's the part with the thermal detonator and, you know, she interrupts. And one of the times we shot it, I jumped a couple of lines like I was so hyped up. I was just like, Rah! you know, and it scared everybody in the whole room. Uh, and the director was like, oh, you know, we need to do that again. Don't. <laughs> Don't jump their line, but like that was perfect. Like that's that's what we want. So it really is supposed to be like so tense, and then just out of nowhere this explosion. Um, but yeah, I held this whole Boba Fett thing in. For, I mean, all of it, but the Boba Fett thing from everyone 
forever. People working on the game didn't even know, you know, code names for everything. And it's the only the one scene. So they shot it that day and that was it. So have you seen it now on YouTube or whatever? Have you you've watched it? Yeah. What do you yeah. think? When so you watch it. Yeah. <laughs> you think so this cool. is freaking cool. <laughs> yeah, it's really, really cool. It's really cool. I mean, watching any of Cage, seeing any of Cage, whether it's the the photos or the cutscenes or even people's basic interactions with her in the cantina, for me, it's so cool. As someone who's a lifelong Star Wars fan, to have originated a new character that is really, even though she's so mean, people seem to really like her. And she's like so cool and she doesn't die is fantastic. That's a plus. Yeah. There's still there's still hope for more there's in the future. Because yeah. <laughs> I know the, the, they have to do a third game at this point because it's such a great series. But yeah. um, So talk to me about the cantina scenes because I love that that introduction to her. I, I, I'm going into the cantina. She just won't say anything to me. The hat's down. Really cool the way she's laid out, and then you know you're just not getting anything out of her, and it's just the whole quest is so great. Just learning more, and and then doing the bounties, and I think that's one of the reasons why everyone loves her. She's just mysterious, cool, badass chick. Yeah, and people, and when you get the real introduction, you think she's your friend, and it seems like a, not only a fun quest, but with really good rewards. So it seems like something you want to continue to see where it goes. The fact that she's got a knife in your back and you don't even know it the whole time is it was so fun for me. But all of those cantina things, she's supposed to be dismissive. You know, you know, I think probably Disney or Lucasfilm was like, hey, she can't be drunk because uh, there were a couple of lines about her drinking quite a lot that they removed from the script, unfortunately. There's one or two. Oh, that really? Left. Okay. But but there was like a, a lot more where she's just a little belligerent they took out. Um, but I did choose to make her a lot more mean, I think, than dismissive. I think it makes people want to win her over a little bit. Um, and I think it really, the writing really lent itself. She's such a, when she really gets going, she's such a big personality that I think the contrast of her being so hard to crack at the beginning really makes you feel when you, she opens up like you've really done something like you really earned it uh it is really that she all of the pictures i've seen her in the cantina are i mean i, I saw one piece of artwork secretly illicitly before and that was it i was not given any artwork i was not officially presented any artwork well until the game came out yeah oh my goodness wow i, I was sneaked like a little <laughs> character design, like, uh, and they were like, here you go. Okay. And you can't see it. <laughs> I, I saw a brief section of the stunt animation that they were using just to sort of model in the scene. They ran it and they're like, do you want this video? And I was like, oh yeah, that'd be really great. And then there was a conversation. They're like, oh, actually we're changing it. So we're not going to send it to you. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> why? <laughs> do, so they don't, you didn't know what she looked like at all. Did you expect her to look like that is that what she looked like in your mind when you're playing the character so i saw that character artwork just in in advance of okay. doing the actual work cool. so i knew she was now tolan yeah uh and i knew she kind of had this like cowboy kit fisto thing happening and i knew she had jet boots and i knew she had a big hat and that there was going to be a lot of sort of swagger and 
using the hat to kind of express herself. But they, nobody officially told me. I mean, I saw that because someone was like, hey, by the way, okay, you know, look, mm. look, look. Okay, stop looking. At no point during the whole process was anyone like, okay, so here's the game. Here's what happens. Here's what your character is. It was very much like, she's a bounty hunter. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> they don't give you even any backstory on the character. You've got to make that yourself. Really? Nothing at all. Mm-mm. If it's wow. not in this, if it's not in the script that's been provided, then no, uh, nothing. So it's fortunate that I did the cutscenes first before all of the Cantina voice because that has the most information in it. And the audition scenes that I had, they were slightly different um, than the cutscenes. There was a second cutscene. Um, that the words didn't really make it into that Boba Fett scene. It's a little bit different. But that also gave me more information. Even though they were fake scenes, the mm. intention was certainly there. So mm. I did have a little bit of a feeling of sort of where she had come from, that she had decided to run from someone and that she was now like laying low. Like, what is a Nautola? They're amphibious. Why is she on a desert planet? You know what I mean? Like, you're not there because you enjoy it. You don't end up mm. on Tatooine because it's a good time. So... <laughs> You just don't. <laughs> no, not often. Right. I wouldn't. <laughs> so, they, so they didn't. Nobody told uh, me anything. Um, yeah. And I'm sure most of it is intentional. I'm sure some of it is just oversight because there's so many moving parts in the game. And when you're actually shooting on a mocap stage and you have a couple of actors and you have the director and you have the writer and you have the video game director, and then you just have a bunch of people sitting at computers and you have sort of someone scripty or whatever walking around, but it's, it's a very technical environment. Mm. The majority of the people there are not concerned with whether or not you're a good actor or a nice actor. Like they have, they're collecting data and they're processing information coming from the cameras. And I'm sure they want the game to be good, but like that's not their concern while they're there. And their job is not like on a regular film set where they're lighting you and they're, you know, they have to make sure you're just, you're in the suit and you've got your little balls on and you're surrounded by cameras and that's it. So. Mm. How was yeah. it different to the work that you did on Borderlands 3 or some of the other mocap stuff that you've done? How is this one different? Uh, I had rehearsal for this one. So <laughs> that, was that always helps. Yeah. yeah. So I, I had a rehearsal for this and Borderlands was much more. Like the, the Borderlands work that I did, there's sort of one scene where I'm <clears throat> acting along to a pre-recorded voice track. So when you're doing motion capture, there's a couple of different things that you might do. Um, you might do where you're doing the full performance capture. You might just do the body and they're going to do something else with the head or they play somebody else's audio and you're essentially miming out what you think that character is doing to that voice. So for Borderlands, that, that's what I did. I was sort of, miming what i think for any specific characters or all Uh, over the shop no the main character was oh no what's her name the calypso twins tyrene calypso oh yes so okay i had this pre-recorded track of tyrene and i had to act out stuff but the day that i worked i only worked on it for one day the day that i worked on it i also there were a bunch of other female characters and they're like can you also do this can you also do this can you also do this so it was just sort of filling in for the motion or they they were missing a particular kind of movement that 
in the in the scene that they were building they were like oh we need we need a female character that's going to do x and so they would the cool thing with borderlands is they just kept handing me like these huge weapons to hold because you know it's so exaggerated that they're just giving me like a like a pool noodle you know and they're like okay it's a bazooka type of thing i feel like Um, you would have been awesome in the borderlands movie they're making the actual live action one yeah that would have been really fun i think my friend janina who does Iden verzio in um battlefront she's in it it. yeah i I think she's in it yeah she's a bit of a badass too she was in uh battlefront badass Yeah. yeah she's a super badass she's like she's such she's such a good ambassador for the work because she's also like a mega gamer as well. Yeah. Like she really is. I'm bad at video games, dude. I'm, if it's not, <laughs> if it's not a puzzle game or a rhythm game, it's just, okay. I'm just mashing buttons. Katamar How- Damasi, Portal, Tetris, excellent. Oh, okay. So the puzzle type game. So what's, yeah. what would be the last game you've played? I'm just going to start Survivor any day now. I just got a copy. Oh, you are going to, you are going to play it? I'm going to try it. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be good. And I'm going to put it on story mode and I'm going to use all of those on-screen prompts. You know, I am going to play it. Would you ever uh, stream it online for the fans? <laughs> it would be a real embarrassing stream I think, for everyone involved. I don't think a single person watching would just be like, oh God, I'm so embarrassed for her. Uh, what is the last uh, game I played? Um, you know what? I actually, I really like playing games on my Oculus. And the Rift. I, yeah. The and, headset, yeah. Yeah. And I was playing Mist on Mist. the Oculus. Mist is that like game from the 90s oh. where it's like a puzzle game. You're on an island and you have to like pull all these levers and then a bridge comes down. Riven and Mist were in the same. Is it kind of creepy? No, not at all. Oh, it's not. I'm thinking yeah, of I a mean, different it's, one. It's, it's not like creepy. It's just very like yeah yeah silence it's not creepy like a silent hill there's just no one oh yes i know i know this yeah 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 Yeah. and the thing that i like about those kinds of games portal is i think as like edgy as i get is that there's no one coming to kill me no pressure (laughs) i can just go at my own pace and figure out the little puzzle and then move on to the next one you know uh in portal even like you really get taunted by like gladys and everything like it's I started to get a little stressed out. So I don't I don't like games where people are coming for me. Right. Um, on the Oculus, there's also, and I worked on the the Darth Vader, Darth Vader Immortal or whatever. Nice. I worked on that too, doing nice. voices. But that's so scary. Is it's it? so yeah. scary when Darth Vader comes for you. I, I don't want to fight Darth Vader. <laughs> it's so scary. Um, so I do like a, a very peaceful game, a Star Tropics, if you will, where there's the stakes are extremely low. Are you the same with movies, or are you do you like horror? Movies? I don't mind horror. I I'm getting more into horror again. So when I was younger, I was really into like just the most unsettling stuff. I watched a lot of Korean and Japanese Ooh, yeah. horror. Like yeah. I, I really was really into all of those things. Um, and then I think I hit a point where I developed a central nervous system completely. And my body <laughs> was like, hey, this feels bad. And then I, of course I moved to the US and with politics and everything here, it's yeah. uh, very tense all of the time. And yeah, with COVID yeah. as well. So I did have a, a, a moment where I was like, oh, I'm not watching anything that doesn't just make me feel extremely calm constantly. Yeah. Uh, but now that that's sort of settled a little bit, I'm getting back into horror. Because um, you did some work on a, on a Shutter um, project, yeah? 
that I, I'm meaning. I've been meaning to watch that, but I haven't. VHS, yeah. Yeah, VHS yeah. ninety nine. Yeah. Uh, I'm in the very first segment, which is called shredding. Uh, so you don't I, last long. <laughs> is that what you're telling me? Yeah. Uh, well, that's all it's right. Great. It's great. Yeah. I, I remember there was a really good shutter film I watched. I think it was called Host. Did you ever watch that one? Came out during oh. the pandemic. It was a real sleeper hit. It was all um, over Zoom, like this oh. horror horror film over Zoom. Oh. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, kind of cool for the time, but yeah, um, yeah. So you had fun on that one. I really did. Uh, in in VHS ninety nine, I am in like a mid nineties post punk punk band. So I had like full white face. My hair was up in this like giant goth sort of nest and i got to be in a fake band and lip sync <laughs> to a song and play bass oh wow to a song. Yeah. it was so fun i've i'm i've never been in a band and it was really fun to be in a band i heard you're a really good drummer yeah i'm not i'm a good <laughs> I know, flautist i know yeah i'm an adequate drummer okay adequate, adequate. so you could you could pose as a drummer but when it comes yeah. push comes to shove you might be in trouble I mean, if we're going to play a not too fast punk rock song, I'm all set. Uh, yeah. Much more than that. Or like even a, mid, a mid-paced ska song. I could definitely help you out. But other than that, <laughs> like, it's not me. What sort of music are you into, Verona? I'm curious. Oh, questionable. Um, <laughs> uh, I historically listen to a lot of uh, like post-punk original goth stuff. Give like me some, throw house. some names out there for me. Bauhaus, yeah. Sisters of Mercy, Susie and the Banshees, oh. The Cure. Um, yeah, nice. And then, and then I have these like early 2000 club hits, like goth club hits and all like weird German bands. And it's all like weird pop music with these singers who don't speak English, but they write songs in English. So the lyrics don't make a lot of sense, but they're like, they're, they slap real hard. And then other than that, I all I love mashups and it upsets a lot of people. But mashups. I love Yeah, I love <laughs> mashups are the only way I know anything about current popular music. Yeah. I just I don't it's not I'm not what I'm into, but I do love, you know, Taylor Swift mashed up with Nine Inch Nails. Like it doesn't get any better than that. Oh, okay. It, it makes a great mix. And then I, listen, <laughs> I do listen to a lot of ska, um, which everybody finds really funny that I'm a huge ska enthusiast. Uh, a ska maven, if you will. I'm always, I'm always pushing people to listen to ska. <laughs> You're their number one said, fan. I yeah. said questionable at the top. <laughs> what was your, what was the last concert you went to? I, great question. Mm, I think the last thing I went to, oh no, I went to Depeche Mode only a few weeks ago. Oh, to Depeche Mode. right. I went to see Depeche Mode, yeah. Good show? It was amazing. I had uh, very expensive floor seats. And we were very close to the front. And one of my best friends from Toronto, Katie, flew out to come see them with me. So she nice. was here for 60 hours and we went together and made a whole night of it. It was so good. We had That's so good. much fun. Everyone in our row had a great time. We really, it was a really good time. And then this week, uh, I have other friends coming in from out of town, three of them, and we're going to like five shows in a row. It's going to be a lot. Okay. So how do you balance all this acting work with all these friends you've got? you know <laughs> i don't act as much as i would really like the problem with oh, okay. you know the right. problem with los angeles is like the super bowl of acting 
So only the best people get to do it and not that often. Uh, unfortunately, I don't get to work as much as I would like. I'm hoping that changes every year. It kind of a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Um, so if it was up to you, you'd be working how often? I, if it was up to me, I would be like a regular on a television show uh, in like an ensemble cast on a television show. So I'd be working like. Like an eight season big show. Yeah. Yeah. Like most of the time. <laughs> TV you, is TV is my favorite. So you had a taste of that with Bosch. Yeah. 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 And that was really cool. And that show is, I don't know if you've ever watched it. It's intense. Mm. Uh, it is quite a compressed shooting schedule. And those actors, you know, if you watch the storylines, like they're re- hard storylines and those actors really put themselves through the ringer all of the time emotionally. Well, that's what I'm saying. That That's a lot of, how do you yeah. not bring so that home? But my character on Bosch, she's like, she's a good time girl. She's just having a nice time. You know, she's low-key sleeping with this cop, working at this bar. <laughs> you know, she's not, she's not literally not solving any murders like the rest of them. Yeah, right. Yeah. So going back to Cage, where would you yeah. take the character next, do you think, if you oh, had more time with her? I, I would love, <laughs> look, I'm not a writer and I'm not going to pretend to be a writer, but I would love for Cage to have to like to get away from Boba Fett and to have to flee somewhere else and to try to figure out, you know, call her contacts, try to make nice with people that she owes money, you know, a very like Han Solo and Jabba type of dynamic mm. to try to get herself back on top. Like, I, I think she's really ambitious. And even when she gets set back, when she gets at it, it's like she never learns her lesson. For this. Almost like an anti-hero she, sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah? yeah. She really thinks she deserves to be up here all of the time and will not miss an opportunity. So I would love for her to get into more trouble, whether it was in a video game, whether it was on television. I don't think I'm personally not done with Cage. And we only just got a little bit of her. So I think there's a lot more story to tell. How the hell would you cosplay this character? That would be a tough one. <laughs> that I would did, be tough. I did see a guy post. Um, a picture of his celebration and he had like the Jedi now Tolan with the head and the tentacles. And it was wild, like unbelievable. And I really wanted to be like, ah, you know, but I couldn't say anything because the game wasn't out. Um, so I have a friend, his name's Frank Ippolito and he runs a prop company called Thingergy and they did the costumes for, and the armor for Mandalorian season one and two. Oh, wow. Um, they do umbrella Academy they do a lot of cool stuff. So I actually just was, he sent me a picture that he was playing the game the other day and he was like, I found you. And we had, we had drinks the other day and he was like, so do we need to make you a costume? And I was like, yes, yes please. please. So <laughs> we're just going to start with, we're going to start with a hat and goggles. Yeah. I think that's like a good place to start. Um, what's so great about this game with the photo mode, it's like a cosplayer's dream. Stop it at any time. Zoom in. You can see the stitching. You can see. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't think of that. Every- Right? So you can have it look so perfect. So the disadvantage, of course, is that she's green and she's got these giant softer eyes and just like <laughs> these weird tentacles. But yeah. from the neck down, not a difficult costume. She's wearing gloves, so you don't see a lot of green on her hands. She's got, you know, long trousers. It's kind of cowboy vibe. It's a very cool costume. It doesn't seem like it would be very uncomfortable to wear it if you made it as clothing. Like the head, a head that's problematic. And I mean, I could... I need you to could. dye my hair, but I already have, you know, the green sort of situation. Yeah, could you do something with the hair maybe? And I, I'm not a hairstylist, but surely you could I, come up I with something. Maybe, maybe just some hair extensions to make them longer. You know, like, 
I don't know, paint myself green. I used to paint myself white to be Aura Singh and it was real pain. Yeah, yeah. So what, uh, what about if you could choose to throw her in a movie or a show, Star Wars, what one would it be, would you say? Oh, oh my God, that's such a hard <laughs> I know. It is limited, though, because the Jedi, you know, Survivor and Fallen Order story takes place in a specific kind of window. Yeah. But I guess you can go a little bit before, a little bit behind. I, let's, I take, let's take the restrictions out of it for the sake of the question. Um, I mean... If she could be anywhere and heir to the Empire Thrawn type stuff, a very cool part of the universe to exist in. I'm not sure how she would fit in exactly, but I think that's just like a cool <laughs> Still part <be> cool. <laughs> of the universe. Uh, I'm not caught up on The Mandalorian. I do have a little bit of Star Wars fatigue from just like so much content coming out. I feel very overwhelmed. Um, but like the first two seasons of Mandalorian are so good in a way that I didn't expect. Mm. I think because we're not in like the the Skywalker story at this time. So it is this new slice of the galaxy that's very familiar shaped. Like it's Boba Fett shaped, but it's not Boba Fett. And mm -hmm. so we feel as Star Wars fans attracted to like, what is that story of that? And we kind of all know the Mandalorian, like a little bit of the background and to see that storyline unfold separate from the Skywalkers for me was really, really exciting and refreshing. So I would love to be on any show, and Andor is the same way. It's like so separate from the Skywalkers that I would love to do, I would love to put her in any show that has that kind of mm. storyline where it is it is something that we are kind of familiar with in the world, in the in the galaxy, but it's not, we're not like playing on Skywalkers, we're not playing on Darth Vader, we're not playing on the Emperor, we're not playing on these like huge figures because you just can't compare to that. Like you just... There's, you just can't put Luke Skywalker in anything and he's going to dwarf the whole story. So I would love to just like exist. I don't want to go to Tatooine, but I, you know, I'm happy on Kobo. Well, we could go somewhere else, maybe a little more with higher moisture, more humidity would be great for me. <laughs> oh, no. And last one, Star Wars. Favorite yeah. Star Wars film? Return of the Jedi. Same here. No Good hesitation. answer. Yeah. Without hesitation, yeah. 10 out of 10. Yeah. Knock it away. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Um, is there anything you wanted to say to the fans today? It's a lot of pressure. Uh, I have been extremely <laughs> grateful to everybody who has come to Twitter or Instagram or my email to express their joy of meeting Cage or interacting with Cage. Um, I, I'll be honest, I was very afraid of Twitter around the release because I have seen in the past with video game releases, some pretty mean things come out from, from people who are supposed to be fans and Star Wars fans as well have been historically extremely mean to a lot of people. And that is really scary. And I talked to a couple of friends who work in this universe as well. And I was like, I, I'm really scared of people being mean to me on Twitter. I don't know what to do. And they're like, well, I can't, there's nothing I can do about that. Like you should be afraid of them, but you know, just, <laughs> delete the app for a couple of days <laughs> and and except for one mean person who came to my instagram who i just immediately blocked so i didn't have to deal with them the response has been so good for cage awesome. and i'm so grateful that people love her and they think she's funny and they think they are like stressed out that she won't interact with them and then they get so excited when they like everything about her story that we put out there the writers and the art and myself that we created of this character is resonating and 
I, as a Star Wars fan, am so excited that I got to bring her to life and like she, me and her are forever connected. You know, she's her own thing, but we're forever connected. And that's really, really exciting. And so I'm really grateful for people like letting me know that they feel that way. That's amazing. And again, yeah. you did a really great job. I love the character. You. When you want to see more, you know, you've done a good job. So yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm really hopeful we, we get to do her more. Uh, if not, um, I hope that I get to do Aura Singh in a live action. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Just more Star Wars. Yeah. And that's the yeah. thing you, you mentioned the fatigue. I had the fatigue too, but this game actually kind of revitalized it for me a little bit. Yeah. And maybe it's like the medium change that there's been so much television and yeah. now because it's interactive and you get to, and also again, you're in the game. We're not in Skywalker storyline. No. Exactly. Right? And I think that's part of the problem with people who are huge fans is we absorb all of the content, but nothing's going to compare to the original trilogy. And, and I, I think that, like, I think that Disney is really walking a, a tightrope, right? Because you have to put out content that resonates with people who are not mega fans, but that keeps them involved, but also show the hardcore fans this glimmer of like the things that they know about, you know, the, the secret, whatever it's from the books or the, you know, expanded universe, they have to bring that stuff in enough to get us to continue. And so as a result, it's just sometimes feels a little disjointed, like it's overdone or it's not enough. Yeah. So I think the video game being a different medium is really helpful. I think you've people. nailed it. Yeah. yeah. I think it's, yeah. uh, it might, it might just be the TV, too many TV series for me to keep yeah. up as well. Yeah. You feel like yeah. you've got to watch them all and yeah. 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 And, and there's so many franchises now that have such huge fan bases. Mm. So if you're doing all of the Marvel TV shows and films, you're doing all the Star Wars TV shows and films, and then you have all the must watch TV. That's not Star Wars. You have like all of the things where you're like, Oh, you have to watch yellow jackets. You have to watch succession. You have to watch, you have to watch. And like, all you do is watch <laughs> and it gets exhausting. <laughs> and I, I'm somebody who loves watching television. Like I love television, anything else. And I, I get to the point where like, I'm going to put on a show that I have been watching. And I'm like, ah, oh, don't want to do it and that's uh, weird There's is that your favorite show at the moment succession uh that's what i'm catching oh i that's what i'm catching up on right now yeah but um i have been watching uh what's it called love and death love it uh, yep. love and death with um, with all with elizabeth, the olsen yeah, yeah with elizabeth olsen and um jesse plemons and historically i don't really like elizabeth olsen i think she's fine but she's just like not the kind of stuff she does is usually not for me and she's so good in this and Jesse Plemons is amazing. And the whole story is really uh, captivating. So I'm really enjoying that show as well. But Succession just has like a chokehold. You know, I just, I couldn't tell you what's happening in the show, but I can't stop watching it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much for taking the time today. We really sure appreciate did. it, Verona. Yeah, man. Thank I, you so I much. Had a nice time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Is there any chance uh, Cage can come alive? at the end of this is there any way we can hear that voice or what just oh a no snippet, my god just a uh, snippet verona oh come god. on i won't look i'm gonna embarrass myself no um, you're not you're not um i'll just say i have to say one of the lines you know uh uh we're all talking about you cal it's not every day that a newcomer introduces themselves by taking down one of ravis's boys which by the way nice touch love a big entrance 
Wow. I can't believe that voice comes out of you. It's That's out of crazy. It's, 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 I'm a little out of practice. So nobody come for me about the accent. Don't. No, but it was it. perfect. Thank you. Man, that is a skill because every every American or Canadian I have on, they can't do the Aussie accent. It's one of those ones that they it's just. Tough. I mean, I, I did work really hard on it. You know, like I said, it's not perfect, but I really, I really tried really hard. Like I really put my whole soul into doing it well because I knew that Star Wars is really important to me and Star Wars is important to a lot of people. And I would feel terrible if I totally biffed it and like she sucked or she was embarrassing or she was not engaging like a, the writing is so good for her it's yeah, so uh, fun it really it's is so, it's so easy to lean into that and i would just feel like i had failed you know myself as a fan if i didn't like try my hardest to get it yeah. right so i am very appreciative that you think i'm doing a good job uh, and the and the personality of the character really comes out so again yeah thank you so much and uh yeah, and you. where can we find you on socials twitter and insta no twitter mean comments and- yeah all yeah, positive no let's flood oh. Just Positive. Keep it yourself. Yeah. Uh, Twitter <laughs> and Instagram. I'm under Bathory, which is B A T H O R I. And then I'm on TikTok as Verona Blue. Oh, you are on TikTok. Nice. I, I went viral like three days ago and it's stressing me out. What did you do? I had some dumb video with my dogs, some like goofy video. There's a song, it's like, go in the store, buy a bottle of hoisin sauce, open the fridge. Oh, no, I have a bottle of hoisin sauce. And I did it. I have six dogs in my house right now because of the fostering. And so yeah. I just did it with chihuahuas the whole time. <laughs> and it really resonated. And I have That's almost, great. I have, uh. last time I checked, I have 1.8 million plays, 343,000 likes. Isn't that crazy? It's just so stressful. It's so stressful. <laughs> Why is it so stressful? Because every time what? I open the app, there's like a gajillion notifications. <laughs> And like, what if people are being mean to me? <laughs> they haven't been. Everybody's been pretty nice. All the comments are like, this is cute. I love this. But yeah. it's just, I, I'm, as an actor, oh, I love yeah. to tell stories, but I don't know that I want to be famous. It feels very scary to like be in the public eye in a significant way. And so yeah. just getting like that many views on TikTok, <laughs> I was like, I was texting my friends. I was like, I think I'm going to put it on private. It's, I don't, they're like, no, it's good. I was like, I don't know. I think I got to take it down. I'm going like, to have to so check stressful. this out now. Yeah. I haven't really seen goofy. the video. Yeah. Yeah. It's goofy. So anyway, now I'm a Chihuahua influencer. So is that a thing? That's a, a nice little niche you've carved for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. And um, I look forward to doing this again soon. Yeah. Hopefully. Talk to you soon, Dan. Have a great day.